1: Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and I have my friend Jared Pickney joining me as always. But today we also have a special guest, Tim Mackey of the Bible Project. And if you're not familiar with the Bible Project, you should check them out on YouTube. It's a nonprofit animation studio that produces short, really engaging videos about the biblical story and about how to even engage the Bible and themes. It's totally taken off. It's amazing. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Good to be here talking with you. Yeah. Tim, you were actually one of my professors in seminary. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We were just chatting about that.
0: We were. Actually, those are some of the first classes I ever taught. On the seminary level, I think I had done one or two before when I first met you wow. in class. So, I was kind of in, in rookie mode really? <laughs> back then.
1: That's yeah. amazing. I just remember you standing at the whiteboard and drawing all sorts of drawings <sighs> that I was trying to copy. And then I definitely remember the day you came in a, in a skateboard. You like pulled up <laughs> in your skateboard and I was like, wow, yeah. He's, yeah. this is different than Gary Bashir's. So. <laughs>
0: I still don't live too far from the seminary, so it's kind of easy to get there. Anyway, there you go. That's where we met. (laughs) That's where we met. I just want to know what kind of student was Brad. Oh, super sharp, top of the class. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) By the time I started taking your classes, I was already on academic probation. So, (laughs) (laughs) is that true? That is true. Yes. Wow,
0: I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I was seriously. I wouldn't have known that.
1: Yeah, it was a funny phase. I did really bad in theology 3. Ah. Then I think I was I got out of it by doing better in my next classes, but yeah. That's what I tell anybody who's struggling with school. And that totally. doesn't encourage them usually.
0: I uh that doesn't encourage them. I was the same. I after my first semester of college, I was got put on probation too. Nice. Yeah, you know it's it's a good experience to go through. It kind of teaches you to take things seriously. It was good for me, at least.
1: Yeah, it was really good for me. I was trying to juggle multiple jobs and planting a yeah. church and seminary. Yeah. It was a great wake-up call of, oh, like, I have this wonderful privilege that so much of the world hopes to have in getting an yeah. education in these things. Yeah, And I'm not really fully embracing it. And yeah, I have limitations. I'm not God. So it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Just learning your limits. Learning my <laughs> limits. Well, Tim, we have you on today to talk about applying the Bible, using the scriptures, uh, God's powerful, true word into the life of communities. But before we dive into that, we love to ask our guests just how you're following Jesus today. Like, what are the ordinary aspects of being a disciple yourself and making disciples in Portland for you? Mm -hmm. For me, probably for most people, it's a complex (laughs) Complex thing. I
0: can't summarize that very easily. You know, I'm in a season of life, to be honest, where I kind of am in limbo, feeling a bit of spiritual limbo in a number of aspects in my life. I have felt like I needed some mentoring in some of the more ancient, uh, historic Christian practices of prayer. Mm -hmm. And so about a year ago, I started seeing a spiritual director. Mm -hmm who's really been challenging me to shape some new habits around prayer in my life. Mm. And, uh, and then that's led me down a whole road of really rethinking the role of communion and the Eucharist in my mm. own life. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a big, you know, we're always all <laughs> on our journey and mm-hmm. some stages are more like calm than others. And uh, I think I'll look back on this season as one of a lot of, Transition and and growth, I hope. Mm. As for discipleship, you know, I have two little boys who are just now at the age where I can really invite them into the biblical story in a new way.
2: Mm.
0: So, other than my job and trying to disciple my kids, that's kind of a life, right? That is. (laughs) There you go, one day at a time. But I think uh, I am discovering, man, I'm discovering in the Anglican and in the Jesuit tradition, just incredible resources for prayer. Mm -hmm. Words that aren't my own, but that are becoming my own. And uh, that's really been a gift to me and to my family in uh, the last year or so. So anyway, those are some new things on the horizon for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, thank you for sharing just because I think often prayer, just that sort of thing is appeared to be basic in our minds, especially at like as evangelicals in America. Like, well, everybody knows how to pray, right? Like you just do that. Whereas, yeah, I began seeing a spiritual director about a year ago as well. Mm. And I need a guide to this whole spiritual life. I need to be directed in how to commune with God because we're talking about the creator of the universe who has this amazing redemptive story that he's playing out. And Mm. it's not as easy as an acronym you know so <laughs> yeah
0: oh totally yeah to be honest it, for me it's just it's very simple mm-hmm. it's i i don't have any other inv- invisible person in my life that i relate to mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so it's just like how do you you know form those habits and i i don't i had many i had some in place but for one reason or another i just i needed to deepen mm-hmm. them with some some new practices but yeah it's good it's good for me Uh, It's just interesting. Seasons of growth are always a little disorienting Mm -hmm. before you break through to whatever the next part of your life is going to be.
3: Well, hey, um, Tim, Jared here. First off, I just want to say for the purpose of feeling like I fit in that I also was on academic probation at one point in college. So so that makes three of us. (laughs) So, yeah, I love your answer, first off. Thank you for the authenticity and the realness of that. I think it's so easy in Christian circles to throw around kind of a cliche answer of, here's how I'm making disciples, and it's this, 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 and that. And uh, I, too, have a spiritual director, mm-hmm. Richard Plass, who I meet with. And one of the things he told me, like he's in his late 60s. I hope he's not younger than that. Um, but he <laughs> said, you know, the older he gets, the the bigger his question file gets and the smaller his answer file gets. So thank you for, for your answer. And yeah, totally. We're certainly trying to wrestle through these things as well, and that's why we have this podcast. And so um, speaking of that, so Brad and I have spoken a lot about Saturating the world with the gospel through missional communities. And one conviction we have is that gospel saturation cannot happen apart from spiritual formation. And obviously, we believe a key piece to our spiritual okay. formation is understanding who God is and what He's done for us in Christ and how that shapes who we are and how we live according to what we see in okay. the scriptures. And I know that sounds pretty simple, but the problem is, um, from our experience, and I'm guessing probably from your experience as well, Tim, is a lot of disciples of Jesus are having a hard time diving into the scriptures. Mm -hmm. In fact, with this post-Christian society, right? I mean, if you wake up and and instead of touching your phone, you read a psalm like you're a radical Christian now, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think in light of that, like, I'm just curious, how would you answer this question? Why should Christians study and read the scriptures together?
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Well, that's a good question.
0: One part of it is very simple. Why should Christians do that together? Because you're most likely not going to do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People just don't read the Bible. My basic assumption Mm -hmm. is that even the people around me that are believers, I know. My assumption is that for the most part, they don't really like reading the Bible. (laughs) And -hmm. I find that if I make that my default, even if they do read it, they have a really complicated relationship with the Bible. I for sure assume that. And usually I'm batting 95% of either I read it, but have a difficult time with it, or I don't read it. Mm -hmm. I just think that's, you know, the moment we find ourselves in. And I I think it's due to a lot of factors having to do with our our digitized lives now and the way that these technologies are restructuring our time and our days and our attention and our relationships. So so I, I actually... I'm becoming more firm in this conviction that I think reading and then reflecting on scripture together with groups of people is kind of the way forward, at least for the foreseeable future for local church life. So we can talk more about that, but I think it's probably one of the main ways that people are going to even engage the Bible at all, just together as a group.
1: That's good. Yeah. I'd love to hear your perspective, Tim, on what are some of those complicated uh, lenses that people bring to the Bible, even when they do read it. Because I think often, as we were just talking about prayer, the same thing happens with Scripture. We kind of have this mm-hmm. default mm-hmm. assumption: well, the Bible's like easy to understand and read. Yeah. And whenever we all get together in a group, we all pretend. Like we know what it says yeah. and we, we just dissect paragraphs all the time and reflect on them for our own purpose. And like that's a normal thing right? as if we're English professors in some yeah, school totally. somewhere. Right. So yeah. it seems like, I don't know what in your mind are some of the the real challenges that do exist when a group gets together to read and reflect on the Bible?
0: Yeah, Well, so, so I think some of them are just the shape of the culture, modern Western culture and, and that exert a certain kind of force or pressure on us. And whether that's just our inability to read very well anymore or our inability to process communication that comes from another culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not a cultural moment that's given towards people empathizing with people from different points of view or trying mm-hmm. to hear voices that are different than my own. You know what I'm saying? Like there are so yeah. many forces at work that are shaping us in ways that are unable to hear any other point of view except my own. So that's cultural. But then I also think there's a number of dynamics in just the past couple hundred years of the church, especially the Protestant church, that have actually shaped our relationship to the Bible in ways that I I think we're now seeing the fruits of, and they're just really unhelpful. Hmm. So whether that's uh, shaping people's expectations of the Bible, that it's like a a theology answer book. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if I have a question, I relate to the Bible by knowing what pages the answers to my questions are found on. You know, Mm -hmm. if I have a question about God's sovereignty or human depravity or this, you know, you go here. And, you know, the, the problem is the Bible isn't designed as a reference book, like at mm-hmm. all.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: um, And the same like behavior manual, you know, where do I f- find the examples for how to behave this way? Or what kind of decision do I make in this type of relational conflict? Oh, well, this page and this, like the Bible doesn't work like that at all. And it's certainly not a long love letter. I remember the first was in my <laughs> early 20s and I was at this Christian camp. I had never gone to Christian camp as a kid. And so I was, you know, was volunteering one in my 20s. And I remember I heard this phrase for the first time. Apparently, some people heard it from their childhood. The Bible's God's love letter mm-hmm. to you. And um, so romantic. I just remember being so perplexed. Like, what doesn't read at all like a love letter? Like, what a bizarre way to tell Gene Hires, you know, to like read the Bible. It's the song, yeah. songs,
1: maybe. Especially <laughs> junior hires, it's like where's so, the box? Check yes, check no. Yes.
0: Yeah. Where does it go? So here here's what I think here's what I think is right. The instinct there is so right. The Bible is a communication from God to his people telling them of his mercy and faithfulness and covenant love. Right? Mm. So, and it connects us to God in a personal way. It is a text that's meant to reshape how I Think about life and its meaning and my role in the world, who God is, who other people are to me. It's meant mm-hmm. to shape my behavior, right? My beliefs, my behavior, to connect God and I personally. But the way that these ancient Jewish texts <laughs> do that, they do it on their terms and with a different set of communication rules than a reference book does. And so I think that one of the biggest challenges is just learning to let the Bible speak on its own terms and not make it into something that yeah. we wish it was. Hmm. And, and that's humbling. Just like in a conversation with any other human, like I, I have to learn how to stop and listen to what they're saying on mm-hmm. on their terms and not just impose on them what I think they're saying. And I think we do the same mm-hmm. with the Bible. And so one of the best ways to do that is to not only read the Bible by myself, but to read it with other people mm-hmm. because the communal questions and dialogue that will arise out of that will always get me out of my mm-hmm. own head, you know, in ways that it's hard when you're just reading mm-hmm. quietly by yourself.
3: That's good. Would you say, Tim? And I'm all for we're, we're practicing our own church this, you know, communal approach to reading the scriptures. But do you have any encouragement and or any thoughts, uh, wisdom to those who are seeking to abide in the vine through? personal time you know what they want to wake up in the morning they're like yeah i want to start my day with whatever's reading psalm or whatever else it may be they're they're pulling up their app or they're you know they're reading through the bible in a year whatever i I think we live in such an experiential like culture like at least from as a pastor in arkansas what i'm hearing is Mm. so uh, i wake up and i read this and when i do i don't feel anything like what am i supposed to be feeling how do i know if it worked right that sort of thing i'm just I'm just curious if mm-hmm. you have any thoughts yeah. on that of kind of like maybe even let us end uh, what that looks like for you or what your experience is whenever you interact with the scripture and maybe an encouragement you might have to, to others who were seeking to do likewise.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I, Cause I do think, I think reading in our, in our situation, reading the Bible aloud together with groups of people and talking about it is a really important thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But also the whole point is also that it fosters my own personal engagement with it and that it coincides, runs alongside my own personal reading and meditation on the biblical text. Uh, This is part of a a paradigm shift even now, you know, after teaching the Bible for so many years, even now I'm still undergoing is that the, the scriptures present themselves as a kind of literature that we don't really come across in any other part of our lives. It's meditation mm-hmm. literature. Like, so just, and just think Psalm 1. <laughs> psalm 1 is kind of like a publisher's blurb, you know, that you read on mm-hmm. the back of the book. It's a meta psalm. It's a psalm that's helping you reflect on what it even means to read a text like the one mm-hmm. sitting in front of you. And it tells you that you're connecting to a source of eternal life, right? The tree, it's the tree of life planted in the Eden stream. And what is it that roots a human life in the eternal life flowing out of, out of God's own life and love in Eden? It's the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? It's meditating on Torah day and night. And the word meditate doesn't mm-hmm. mean sit silently and think. <laughs> the word meditate mm-hmm. means actually read whispering aloud. Literally, the book's designed mm-hmm. to be whispered aloud to yourself. That's what it's for. <laughs> And it's a book that's not designed to give up its meaning on the first read. It's actually designed for a lifetime of pondering, individually and communally. And so I, I've actually come to see all of the weirdness and like the what? What's, why did God accept his offering but not his? And like, why did that person mm. kill them? And what? They're another sex scandal? Mm. And what? you know, like yeah. That's all intentional. All of these stories of super flawed people but God keeps working with them, it's not endorsing their behavior. It's we're getting into the grit of how God has worked in and through terribly flawed Hmm. people throughout the course of history. And each one of their stories is meant to be a mirror of my own life in which I see myself. And so the questions, all the weird stuff that gets inside you when you read the Bible, these authors know what they're doing. They're trying to stir you up. And so oftentimes there's a question, this happens all the time, like in a group Bible study, you know, and it just becomes like collective ignorance. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, oh, I don't know. Why did God kill that person? Yeah. You know, or just like so weird, That's weird, you know, Yeah. the odds are the author knows why, that they've planted that question there. And they're going to resolve it somewhere down the line in the story. It's going to fit into some pattern. There's some design pattern happening, and there's some theme developing that you just have to keep reading to watch things resolve. And you might not notice it until three years from now on your 14th time through that same story, and that's how they're designed. I think to me that's the thing that's amazing, is that how many texts do we read like this that are intentionally multi-layered in that way? So anyway, I could go on for a long time, but to Um, me that's become now part of the excitement of it. It's like a detective mm -hmm. novel where... I'm looking for the clues that piece the whole thing together.
1: Even to take that principle of how we are to murmur or like whisper over the texts over and over again. And then it's, it's through that process of not moving on from it that we actually begin to see and and experience, like you said, the eternal life, the, the, the tree, the river, you know, that's how we get, that's how we grow up. Uh, I think that, we're in such an achiever society as well Mm. that Mm
2: -hmm. in a group
1: of people, you never read the same text more Mm. than once. It's like, well, we've already read that, you know, like why, 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 why why should we do that over again? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, we've, we've accomplished Mm -hmm. that one. I remember one of the first Bibles I had, had like reading a Bible in a year and it just had check boxes next to passages, you know, and the goal was to get them all checked yeah. in 365 days. Mm-hmm. That's not really a question. It's more of an observation. Mm-hmm. As communities, we don't want to sit there and just go over a text over and over again.
0: Yeah, that's right. But but that's precisely what they're designed for. That's how they're designed to be engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really nerdy. But this go is for the world it. I, I live in but, um, So the Dead Sea Scrolls, so the, the community that produced that, is known in academic circles, they just call them the Qumran community. That's the name for like the little section of the desert they lived in. And so the Dead Sea Scrolls are famous for the biblical scrolls, but this community is a Jewish community a couple hundred years before Jesus. And they produced a whole bunch of other literature. They were like a monastery, an ancient Jewish monastery. And they have all these other literature, biblical commentaries they wrote. So they talk a lot about the Bible. They were Bible nerds like you wouldn't believe. And um, the opening, like the credentials to get accepted into the community is having uh, 10 years of meditating in what they call the scroll of meditation. Wow. That's their name for the, for the Hebrew scriptures. Wow. <laughs> 10 years. And then essentially the life of this community was routine like tasks, you know, like getting water from the aqueduct and cleaning the bird poop off the building. <laughs> but, but then also they have 24-7 rotations of people Doing Psalm one, just reading mm-hmm. aloud the scriptures together in these little groups called chavrutah, Brotherhoods, and basically you enter into a lifetime of engaging these texts, rereading and rereading and rereading mm-hmm. and so and this is a group of people who's living within just a couple of generations of when the Hebrew Bible came to completion, so like they're they're more in touch with the kind of communities that produce the Bible. <laughs> mm. And they're among the first readers of the completed Hebrew Bible. And so to me, that's become really amazing. Mm. That The first communities coming around the Bible are like Ezra and Nehemiah. They get together for seven-day Torah reading marathons. Mm. you know. Yeah. And, and so, I, listen, I, I'm not saying everybody has to become like academics or read the Bible for seven days straight. I'm just saying... Um, these texts aren't at all designed to be read like a blog mm, right,
2: right.
0: <laughs> um, or to be read like an essay or a news editorial. Um, they are meant to give up their secrets only after you've read and pondered hmm. them for a while already. Mm, yeah. And depending on what your temperament is, that may or may not be good news, I think. But but what it means as leaders of church communities to point people towards jesus through these texts yes that are designed this way you really got to think that through Mm -hmm. (laughs) well anyway yeah so that's you know that's the world you guys are in right now and i was in that world too for many years and i was constantly trying to think of ways to uh, engage people individually and on a group level with this kind of a text yeah yeah
3: that's so good man so i i guess a question i have then is obviously we have communities made up of individuals from all over the map with all different stories that they tend to even project on the story mm-hmm. it can be complex but i guess i'm just curious like how do you see how can communities and leaders help their communities engage the scriptures together we've talked you you talked about the importance of that mm-hmm. but do you have any practical thoughts around that question Well,
0: yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. And uh, the reason I have them is just because they're historic. They're like what God's people have always done. Uh, I mean, the Bible tells us that it came into existence through habits of communal reading of texts. So Moses got people together to read the first edition of the Torah, you know, whatever that looked like. But that's what he's doing at the end of Deuteronomy. This is what Josiah was doing when his whole generation, you know, had forgotten the covenant. And so he gets people together for these public readings of scripture, um, Ezra and Nehemiah. Hmm. And then we see it right through still in Acts where they're coming together around the apostles instruction, Mm -hmm. right? In Acts chapter two. So they're coming together to learn and read. And then Paul mentions to Timothy, hey, make sure you don't forget the public reading of scripture. Hmm. So, whether that was only connected to, you know, the Sunday gathering, you know, on the, the resurrection Sunday gatherings, or whether there were also just other ways that church people gathered to hear the scriptures read aloud, this is, this is one of the bread and butter things, mm-hmm. is like communal public reading of scripture. And some traditions have never forgotten this. Much of the Protestant American mm-hmm. tradition, at least, has forgotten that practice, mm-hmm. And so, in my mind, it's high time for a renewal (laughs) of like this. And it's the simplest thing in the world. Seriously, you just get a group of people together and read the Bible aloud. (laughs) And you don't even have to like plan a whole Bible study. Just like read it aloud. Yeah. And uh, and then talk about it. (laughs) And it helps maybe if somebody's thought about the text a little bit more. But even I don't, you know. Anyway, so that's one. I think the Sunday gathering has always provided a way for some kind of instruction. It's taken the main stage, you know, mm-hmm. in Protestant tradition. And so people have different opinions about that. And then obviously people in- engaging their own personal own personal habits. But I, I really think a main one that maybe many of your listeners will have been around churches that, don't do this any kind of regular gathering where the main thing you do is just hear scripture read in large chunks. Mm -hmm. That's that's just kind of a forgotten practice in a lot of the Protestant church today. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for the, we actually are so passionate about it. We made a video, (laughs) a theme video for the bar. Yeah. It's just called the public reading of scripture where we traced it all through. Cause it's the simplest thing in the world, but it doesn't, Mm. it struck me one day like, Oh, I don't know. Not everybody does this and
2: mm-hmm. uh, we,
0: people are already feeling guilty for not reading their bible and praying. Right. So why not do something together that at least can help mm-hmm. them, you know, with one of those at least.
1: It actually it makes me think of this morning I went to the gym and I did the elliptical like I always do, but also on every Monday I come to the gym thinking, "Oh, today I'm going to walk up to the third floor and do some weights." You know? <laughs> But then I walk up there and I look around and what these people are doing with the weights looks like I walked into an extraterrestrial lab- laboratory. You know, like it has no reference to my life or my understanding. You know, I was a, an artsy kid in high school. I didn't like do the gym yeah. stuff. Sure, and sure. So then I just walked away. I, like I walked down <laughs> to the <laughs> to the first floor again and I got back on the elliptical and I did some sit-ups and I and I kind of walked out because it was so it was so strange to like what what am I supposed to do up here? You know, yes. like where am I supposed to sit? What am I supposed to do with my arms? Those sorts of yeah. things. And I think what you're saying, Tim, is so simple and profound. Like what if Groups of people got together and read large chunks of the scriptures together. Yes. And let that sort of lie as, mm-hmm. as a powerful thing, like that we mm-hmm. believe that the word of God could speak through mm-hmm. that. And, and maybe there are some simple questions like, what does this tell us about God? What does mm-hmm. this tell us about his people and how he interacts mm-hmm. with them? and.
3: Mm-hmm. and
1: how how do we see ourselves in this passage? Maybe yeah. But yeah, there there's I think often leaders come thinking they need to have a curriculum to follow or mm-hmm. or a master's degree with academic probation or not that they need that. Yeah sort of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: yeah, I, yeah I'm not, I'm not so sure uh, you know uh, I looked this up a while ago on uh, you know any given audio Bible you know there's so many available for free now on the Bible app it's a total of about 85 hours of content the whole hmm. bible read aloud yeah and I, my hunch is that your average american who's got mm-hmm. netflix <laughs> if they were to add up their like you know netflix binge hours you know compare that to 85 hours of listening to the bible and yeah. my hunch is that This isn't like an insurmountable goal. Especially if you got uh, people together and you make it a way of life that we just gather for dinner to listen to scripture for 45 minutes, an hour. And then, you know what I mean? To see what happens. uh, Yeah. So there you go. It's funny that such a old practice feels new to so many people, (laughs) but uh, I I really, I really believe that there's some, there's a promise in this, in this habit. Um, (laughs) that can really be helpful to people. There is also the barrier of understanding. Like mm-hmm. the texts are often bizarre. They're ancient. And so they raise lots of questions that have to be processed. Um, and it doesn't just help to pool ignorance. You, know? yeah. <laughs> well, you want to make progress and like learn some things, but there is something to just sitting in the story and letting it work on you and let the questions Emerge you know and, and not try and ignore them or fight them, but just let the process work on you,
1: yeah, and I think even to that, the difficulty of understanding it is, and this isn't just because you're on the podcast, Tim, but uh the Bible project and all of the videos uh, even the book videos mm-hmm. that they basically go over this is what the whole book is about, this is the arc of this, yeah. like the book of Esther or Leviticus or whatnot uh, that really does help. Communities then read those large chunks because they're like, oh, I can. I've kind of had at least some sort of guide mm-hmm. that showed me like this. This equipment helps you work on your arms. This one helps you work on your legs. Or yeah, to, to the yeah, metaphor. Pulled. But I think those really are an incredible yeah. tool for for communities. Even as we're talking, sorry, Jared. Don't know if you want to jump in, but You're good. this past uh season in our church and all through Lent, we read the Book of Hebrews.
2: And we we, Mm, we preached mm. out
1: of that on Sunday mornings and stuff. And one or a couple of our our missional communities decided right when they when we started to read the whole thing Mm. every like week when they got together.
2: Yeah. And those
1: are like the best, Mm. like you can tell even as you're preaching, it's like, oh, those people are in the community that has read the whole they've read the whole book. They're not trying Mm. to engage this in like little snippets like like the other folks in the in the group are. And so it's amazing. That uh, It'd be awesome to see that sort of stuff happen. <laughs> it,
0: totally. Yeah. I mean, especially with the New Testament, I get it. Isaiah is 66 thinking <laughs> chapters like it's long, you know, but all the books of the New Testament, the longest one would be like John mm. or Luke. And those are a max at two hours to yeah. read aloud. And so most of the books can be read aloud in under 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, like the letters. And if, if you've never had that experience, it's like, oh that's there's that verse that was on my grandma's like cross mm-hmm. stitch on her wall. You know? <laughs> and you're like, oh that's well, that's, well, that's it <laughs> up? Or like, Oh, that's a totally different meaning once you hear it in context. Oh yeah. It's that, it's that kind of experience. And these are moving mm-hmm. works when you read them as a whole, like Hebrews, holy it was it a is, sermon, you it's a written sermon. Yeah, man. I, I really I think that it can engage people in a new way to see to see biblical books as wholes, you know, whole acts of literary communication. And you encounter more of, I think, what the spirit is doing in and through the apostles and prophets when you can hear these works in large chunks. So there you go. I'm sounding like a broken record at this point, but
2: I, awesome, awesome. I,
0: I, yeah, it's, it's just been a very helpful thing for me personally. And uh, we've been getting many stories uh, groups doing just this using yeah using Bible project videos and doing this and yeah it's pretty cool that's awesome
1: yeah yeah jared anything else to add
3: no man i think i, I mean i would just say that um yeah i just wanted to say tim like you guys really have been god has used you on in incredible ways even here in arkansas i mean i'm in a very blue collar town and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people don't even have a college education here and and yet we mm. went through the Bible in a year with our church last year, and a lot of them were saying that exact same thing. I mean, I, I told someone just yesterday, I said, "Man, you should get on the Bible project and you should check it out because the videos are they're easy enough and engaging enough for my six-year-old mm. to get and understand." But yet, even who's a master's in theology, like they're rich enough, like where like I'm walking away every single time going like, "Oh man, like I never even knew, I never even seen it that way. Mm. Like, it's incredible." Mm. And so I just want to say thank you guys uh, for all the hard work you're putting mm-hmm. in. And so, um, yeah, for those who are listening, I would just encourage you to uh, take it from someone, just a non paid Bible Project staff. Like <laughs> I'm telling you, like, one of the reasons we wanted to have Tim on is because God has used uh, Tim and the Bible Project team to, to give us, I think, something that is rich and, and so needed. In our time which is an understanding of the scriptures in a way that we can kind of interact with and then dive into it in Mm -hmm. in a personal context and then um, wrestle with in community Mm -hmm. which is where i think like you know it really gets we really get to experience Mm -hmm. god in an incredible way so thank you brother for for y'all's work
0: absolutely yeah you're so welcome again it's a privilege to be a part of this team yeah i mean at the core i'm just i'm just a a Bible nerd like I haven't (laughs) I had wonderful (laughs) these wonderful professors early on you know in my after I got off probation I ended up in class really like the next what got me off probation was being in a classroom with somebody who introduced me to the Bible as Jewish literature um, Mm -hmm. and inviting me into the whole world of the origin of these texts and how they communicate and once you Get the basic skill set you know it's kind of like taking a, a phrase book in French to Paris you know, mm-hmm. just like just get some phrases down and learn the basics <laughs> and you'll have a great two weeks there but if you yeah. don't you're just gonna have a very different experience and so mm-hmm. if you put in some effort it pays huge dividends absolutely I mean how many friends do you have who sit around and read ancient Egyptian texts together <laughs> <I'm> like, like, <laughs> it's odd it's not yeah. normal behavior yeah. in our culture to, yeah. but it's a historic plastic practice of both Judaism and Christianity is to meditate on these texts that are telling a unified story. And I mean, yeah. So yeah, God give you guys wisdom as you're trying to lead communities and how to do this. It's not simple. This isn't an easy moment in our culture to try and help people form this
3: habit, but I, I'm convinced it's, it's worth the investment. That's good. Yeah. So yeah. I think a good word there for our leaders listening to those in communities like if you if you find uh, reading the scripture difficult, you're not alone. Like that's that's somewhat normative, right, for all of us. And so just be- and just because it's difficult to read at times, like doesn't make it bad. It just means it's difficult, right? And so yeah, yeah, yeah. God will absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree uh, more wholeheartedly. I think there was a time in my life where I would have said waking up in the morning and reading scripture, even as a seminary student and now as a pastor, was like mm. it was sometimes even painstaking. Like, I mean, it sounds terrible for me to even mm-hmm. say that. I mean, I hate to even say it, but like now, like honestly, my wife could tell you, like, I can't imagine my life apart from doing mm-hmm. it. And um, it truly is mm-hmm. a joy. And um, I thank you guys for helping make that even easier for people out there who maybe are, are yet to dive in, but um, believe they will. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cheers.
1: Yeah. Tim, thanks for joining us. Jared, thanks for always coming on. It's always fun to hear your voice. And uh, yeah, for everyone listening, uh, you can go to thebibleproject.com or just go on YouTube. A uh, few that we talked about today, videos is one is the public reading of Scripture, so you can just YouTube that and it'll pop up. Also, there's a series on how to read the Bible that can be, as you were saying, Tim, just the phrase book, uh, basically give you those those little skills to to really help you engage that. And then one other sort of resource to throw out there if you're interested uh, as a listener is the story of god mm. or the story of god for kids mm. mm-hmm. uh, the kid version it might be better than the adult version <laughs> I'm not sure, which is basically you could set aside a whole day as a community and walk through an oral version of the mm. scripture mm. and so it'll it'll do the whole story all at once which we found really helps people connect tons of the dots yeah. of the redemptive story move it from bullet points to really just the powerful story that it is, and then it helps people engage the the chunks a lot easier. It's like, oh yeah, now I I can I actually know where to hang yes. uh, the story of Moses and this whole redemptive plan. Yeah. It's not just a, a random anecdote. So yeah. yeah, so that's something to check out as well. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. As always, you can uh, send us questions via social media or things like that on topics uh, that you'd like us to discuss more. Or if you have questions about any of our resources, you can hit me up. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys again soon.
0: Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopak. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.